And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I have to tell you, this episode of... Uh, Startup Hustle is sponsored by Pipeline Entrepreneurs. This is the third part of our four-part series covering Pipeline Entrepreneurs. Pipeline is a fellowship program for high-growth entrepreneurs. They are currently recruiting for their 2021 fellowship class. You can apply at pipelineentrepreneurs.com. And I got to tell you, we love Pipeline Entrepreneurs. There's the link right there at the bottom of the screen. So today we have with us Tammy Wayhouse, and Tammy is a Pipeline Entrepreneur. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but Tammy is founder and CEO of Elias Animal Health, and she is doing some incredible work to help keep our furry, fabulous friends as healthy as possible and really innovate in, in the animal health and sciences corridor. So, so Tammy, we are so glad to have you with us here today. So psyched. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. It's great to be here, and I'm excited to share uh, more about what we're doing and uh, about what Pipeline can do for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so psyched. I've I've followed Pipeline for a long time. I've followed you. Um, you know, I, I love to keep an eye on amazing female founders, and so you have you've definitely been on my short list of people that I want to talk to. Um, well, also, side note, I do happen to have my puppy here because I feel like my puppy needs to know that you are working for her. Um, so, so thank you for the work that you do to help keep our, our loved furry friends happy and healthy. Um, that is amazing. So we're going to kick it off with the easy question, I guess. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your journey and about what you do. Um, I just want to hear more about you. Okay, great. Well, um, I started my career as a CPA. Um, so I spent a lot of time in a variety of different uh, business situations, primarily uh, as an auditor, uh, working in a variety of industries and through that process became, you know, very familiar with the different types of industries that uh, I could pursue later in my uh, career track. So once I finally left public accounting and I started looking around for, okay, what is the next big thing for Tammy? And, and by the way, I left after uh, achieving partnership uh, with one of the major public accounting firms. Um, so I looked for what is the next big thing for Tammy? Where can I make a contribution? How can I leave this place better than I found it? And in that journey, I came across a, a human health company that was working on a cancer immunotherapy. And at about that same time, had several family members very close to me who had been diagnosed with cancer 
and I had seen what the chemotherapy regimens had done to them and to their, you know, families, to their health. Um, and, and in my case, none of those cancer patients did ultimately survive their cancer. They were all, um, you know, they did get some survival from the chemotherapy, but uh, they were not able to be cured. Uh, so then when I came across this immunotherapy and I began to understand what the potential was for a treatment that could either reduce or eliminate the use of the um, the chemotherapy and therefore provide a, a, a treatment that was significantly lower side effect, I, I knew I had to get involved. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so sorry to hear about your, your family members, but I think one of the most powerful parts of your story is how you were able to take personal um, hardship and, and channel it in a productive way. So, so I, I feel like you have a, a big heart for, for helping others. And I, I, before we delve into the mechanics of Elias, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, so, so where do you think that that comes from? Uh, I don't know. You know, I grew up in a small town. We were um, involved primarily in the agriculture industry. And, um, you know, my dad always said that uh, what he liked about agriculture is the opportunity to feed the world. So I think that concept stuck with me. And I always felt like whatever I do, I need to make sure that it's making a contribution to not just me financially or not just me professionally, but really providing a service um, or a product that made other people's lives better. That's amazing. I, I, I love that. Um, so, so thank you for sharing that. So, so tell us about Elias specifically, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your inspiration, but what do the, the, what does the day-to-day -day look like in a, an animal health sciences organization? Sure. So um, we were actually spun out of a human health company and uh, immediately started the process of uh, developing a clinical trial strategy so that we could evaluate whether or not this product would be safe for use in dogs as well as efficacious and provide better treatment outcomes. So, you know, every single day I come in and, you know, we're, we're looking at who are the dogs that are and the pet owners that are interested in joining our clinical trial for those who are unable to join the clinical trial for any number of reasons uh, is looking at whether or not their dog is a potential candidate for our therapy on an experimental basis so kind of a compassionate use approach yeah and you know that that is the thing that motivates all of us is who's who's in the pipeline from a um, disease perspective, working yeah. closely with the oncologists that are treating these patients uh, to make sure that they that the patients have the best possible opportunity for a good cancer treatment outcome. Yeah, are you able are you able to talk outcomes? We can talk outcomes uh, about completed clinical trials. 
So um, we did complete our preliminary clinical trial. And in that study there, and, and it has been published now, it's available on the Journal of Veterinary Internal Medicine um, publication. The, that clinical trial evaluated uh, 14 dogs with appendicular osteosarcoma, so bone cancer in one of the four legs. Mm -hmm. And the results of that trial, we were comparing how does our therapy um, perform based in comparison to what we have historically seen. So it was a, not a randomized trial at that time. We were enrolling only patients who were going to be getting our treatment. But historically, for for dogs who have bone cancer, you know, the first step is is typically an amputation because there's been so much damage to the bone. Right. And it's extremely painful. So that's the first step. And a dog who receives uh, amputation only, uh, there are studies uh, that indicate that expected survival is 134 days, so just over four months. Um, if you add uh, chemotherapy, to that amputation, most of the studies that are available historically have concluded that it's 200 to or 270 to 325 days. So what we ask our therapy to do is see if we could improve survival time following amputation without adding in the chemotherapy, and the results were uh, pretty remarkable. The Safety profile was extremely good. They only had, um, you know, mild uh, reactions to the treatment, and they were very short-term reactions. But the survival time for that group, the median survival time, was 415 days, so significantly better than amputation alone, of course, sure. but even better than amputation plus chemotherapy. And then we had. Uh, over a third of the dogs, 36% of the dogs actually went on to become um, long-term survivors. Wow. So, so when you say that, what I kind of envision in my head is, you know, all of these happy dogs, you know, just getting more time with their owners. And they, you know, for some reason, I'm picturing a little girl in my head, like, you know, kind of running through a a, a field of daisies. Like, I just, I, I love that because people are so people are so committed to and so in love with their, their animals. Um, they're, I mean, they're fur babies, you know, and, and that you are able to fundamentally not only change these dogs, like their experience, you know, you know, make it less painful, make the, the treatment process less arduous, but, you know, so you're, I'm looking at my dog right now cause I just love her so much. Um, <laughs> you're, you're doing all of that, but you're also able to significantly increase their, their lifespans and their life. Like that's, it's amazing. I'm thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, God forbid anything should happen to anybody's, anybody's pets, anybody's dogs. But if, uh, if it has to happen, I'm glad that you're around. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. I'm going to, I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction just for a second. Cause I find this really intriguing. Your background, you, you were a CPA. You said yeah. your background is not, you know, what I would think, like, I would think of somebody who had a background in like veterinary sciences or <laughs> something like that. So what was it that, 
we we kind of talked about your inspiration and where you came from, but what was it like to go from you know definitely a STEM related field like math and 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 all of that good stuff, but really not even tangentially related to what you're doing now. What was that like? Yeah, well, it was very interesting, but it fit me as an individual perfectly. What I liked about public accounting was the opportunity to work with so many different clients and and you had to really develop a skill of coming into a business that you had not spent much time with previously and very quickly learn how do they make money, how what is their customer base? Who is their regulator? What rules do they need to comply with? And really, I I took it with the same approach. I'm not a scientist, but I need to understand enough about the science so that uh, I can, you know, create a strategic plan. And so surrounding myself with the veterinary science people, the microbiology science people, um, cell manufacturing people, you know, I have all the right experts in all the right places. And then I can, uh, I know enough about all of those areas and I'm inquisitive enough, sometimes maybe too inquisitive, um, (laughs) but inquisitive enough that, you know, we can drill down on the topic until we all understand. And I've always said that, you know, the best experts are the people who can take their really complicated um, topic, let's say, for example, example, this one, adoptive T-cell therapy, and translate it to someone who is not an expert in the field, mm-hmm. but translate it and, so that they can understand it. And that is the challenge that we have to um, accept as we educate you know, the oncologists, they're experts in veterinary science and oncology, but they're not experts in adoptive cell therapy and they shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, the same with pet owners. Pet owners need to understand when we're talking about this therapy, how can we explain it to them uh, what this is about and what their pet might experience? Yeah. Well, well, very cool that you were able, I mean, I, I imagine that the learning curve was pretty intense uh, and the fact that you tackled it, like, Good on you. Well done. <laughs> it's a good, I, I always say it's a good day if I learn something new. Yeah. I mean, you learned a lot of new things. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot around startup hustle, um, you mentioned that you surrounded yourself with a team of experts that could help you shore up your knowledge. Clearly you have a, a great business brain and you have a, a, a base understanding. You have to have a base understanding of the, this therapy, but um, how did you find your team? Because we, we talk about building teams a lot and it, it's just so crucial to the entrepreneurial journey to not just you know have your own knowledge, but then be able to surround yourself with people who can shore up your knowledge. And in your case, like, actually have to apply the science, right? right? right. <laughs> yeah. And so I would say, you know, one of the things that, that I did, and I learned this again through my experience in public accounting, when you look at uh, public company boards of directors and you, and you see them go through significant transactions, maybe significant expansions or acquisitions, they will tailor their board to bring on marketing specialists legal specialists, uh, regulatory specialists to help 
shore up at the board level that expert knowledge. And I really approached it in the same way. I, I did that with my board. I, I did not go out and look for people like me. I went yeah. out and said, I need an expert in marketing. I need an, a, a legal uh, individual. I need a venture capitalist because we're going to have to raise money. Um, and so then the same thing within the organization, but really the question is, how do you find them? And it really, I think the best way to find them is through networking. And that's one yeah. of the things that has been great about the animal health corridor here is there's so many people involved in animal health. If you connect with them, uh, you know, when you have a need, they will, in, you know, it's, it's not six yeah. degrees of separation here. It's more like one or two. Yeah. Well, and Kansas City really has, a, from what I understand, it has a pretty strong animal health corridor. I mean, we've got, a, we had Aritana Therapeutics, um, you know, we've got Scholar, we've got Fitbark, you know, it, those are just the ones that I know of. But I mean, Kansas City has a pretty robust industry rack in there, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And you've named all the startups. And, and in addition to this, or not all of them, but several of them. But in addition to them, uh, most of the major animal health pharma companies also have a significant presence in this region. So we really have mm -hmm. um, access to experts, both from large pharma and uh, at the academic institutions, we have two vet schools that are, you know, two hours one direction and and two hours the other. Yeah. And then and then the startup community as well. Yeah. And actually, I'm kind of laughing because I see right over your shoulder. You have it looks like the Startland logo. <laughs> Startland, there it is. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if you know this, but I actually used to work for Startland. I love that organization, but I saw it and I got all excited. So <laughs> clearly you are active and very um, supportive of the entrepreneurial community as a whole in Kansas City. That's awesome. <laughs> so talk to me, you know, you, you had this kind of epiphany moment where you you decided to take on a whole new industry, which still just like blows my mind. Um, <laughs> but you know, you you did the work, and you're you've created, and you've you this company, and you've worked on, you know, improving the health of of our furry friends, which just makes me so happy. Um, but so you're doing all of this, and, and I want to talk to you a little bit about pipeline entrepreneurs, because I I know that you are part of their cohort, and I know. I have heard so many stories about how impactful pipeline can be um, for these high performing potential startups. And so, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Like what were some of the, the benefits that you received from, from pipeline? Yeah, I think pipeline can provide both uh, very tangible tactical benefits to help entrepreneurs uh, many of whom are not from a business background. They come from a, either a scientific or a technology background. And so they don't necessarily have a lot of experience in writing business plans and, and right. investor pitches and, and really distilling their business down to something that uh, someone can understand. They, and, and so there's, that is what I would call the tangible and tactical um, part of the boot camp. The intangible is... And I, I would say, you know, there's the saying, it's lonely at the top. I would say it's lonely in entrepreneurship because, you know, early in your days, you, you maybe are the only person 
the only employee and that or maybe you are one of two or three employees and and what I found uh, beneficial through pipeline was that intangible value of the network of people who were not necessarily involved in life sciences there are a few but not a lot yeah um, but who are facing the same stress points right right um, I've got to raise money I've got to do 42 pitches by Tuesday they all want a different slide deck how can I wrap my arms around this or you know you're having difficulty finding the right person to hire or you know, maybe you're almost going to run out of money. And so you're yeah. trying to figure out how you're going to make payroll. So being able to reach out to that network, to people who've been there, done that, can kind of help you think through. And, and, and sometimes all they can do is say, I've been there and done that. You, this is, you're not the only person who has faced this. You will survive your, yeah. and, and that just has been extremely valuable. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So I, I've sat in on several sessions that Toby Rush, who is another graduate of the Pipeline Entrepreneurs Program, has had. And I mean, some of you here in the Kansas City area may know that he um, ended up exiting his startup, uh, I Verify, now uh, Zolos, is that right? <laughs> um, you know, for millions and millions of dollars, he's kind of a, a really great KC success story. But one of the things that he talks about consistently in his, um, when he's talking about his story is the fact that, you know, as an entrepreneur, like being an entrepreneur is really hard. And he talks about like those white knuckle nights where, you know, the next day he had to make payroll and he had to figure out how that was going to work, but that, you know, pipeline was really able to kind of lift him out and, and help support him and give him that, that network that he needed. Like one of the things that I hear from a lot of pipeline entrepreneurs is the fact that, it, it's not just about the instruction. It's not just about the programming. It, it's really more about the cohort, like the the, the fellowship. Um, and and so I, I love hearing that because I think I honestly think that you know you can you can learn the mechanics of starting a business, but if you don't have that like mental, emotional, physical, spiritual support, you're gonna have a really tough time, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> Yeah, like you might know the logistics, but <laughs> yeah, and, and so being able to have that network of people that can help you get outside of your head and maybe look at your situation differently uh, is tremendously valuable for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, well, so, so thank you for sharing that. And, and to our listeners, I want you to know, uh, if you're looking for an impactful organization for high growth entrepreneurs, visit pipelineentrepreneurs.com or click the link in the show notes to learn more about the power of pipeline entrepreneurs. And thank you so much, Pipeline, for being amazing. Um, so, so I'm going to ask you, Tammy, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day -day grind. So, so as founder and CEO, you know, I, I imagine that you probably have a hand in the science of it. Like you definitely have to know what's going on, but what does your, what does your day look like? Like, I know that it changes a lot, but what are some of the things that, that you are tasked with doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, obviously the strategy, uh, strategy development and execution uh, and making sure that we have the right 
resources, both from a financial perspective, a technical perspective, um, and a facility perspective in place so that we can be successful pushing the team to, to do a little more, to take a little more risk, to, you know, sort of put that stretch goal out there for everyone. Um, and, and, and that's really how you end up, you know, doing great things as an organization. If everyone is stretching just a little bit farther than they thought they could, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't, you don't want them to stretch so far that they break or the system breaks or the process breaks, but stretch a little bit. Um, and you know, people feel really rewarded by hitting those goals. Yeah. Um, I spend a lot of time on the phone with investors. I spend yeah. a lot of, uh, and email a lot of time on the phone with prospective investors. Um, and up until now I have had, you know, a pretty significant role in all of the relationships with our key customers, which would be the veterinary oncologists. Um, that population has expanded enough. I'm thankful to say that um, we, uh, I'm actually being able to start to hand off um, some of those responsibilities to a very capable team. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's always hard to let go, you know, because I've been working with these oncologists uh, since 2015, many of them. And uh, uh, so we're trying to figure out how do we um, really leverage the team that we have in place to, to cover more ground. Yeah. Well, so, so I think as a founder and CEO, like you have to wear a lot of different hats, certainly, particularly at a startup, you know, I mean, what you're, you're talking about administration and you're talking about development and you're talking, but, but what I want to talk to you about now is, is leadership because clearly, you know, with the successes that you've seen and what you've been able to accomplish as, as founder and CEO, um, you're a good leader. <laughs> and so I, I want to talk to you about the why, like, what is it about you, Tammy, that makes you uniquely qualified to, to run this organization successfully? I think one of the things that, um, is incredibly important is your is the ability to assimilate a lot of different disparate pieces of data yeah and be able to see what the outcome of various decisions are every day you're faced with decisions should we do this or should we do this and i i think you know great leaders are the ones who can what i call see around the corner Mm -hmm. um, and not just see what's, if I do this, then that will happen. But what I need to know is if I do this, what's going to happen in a week or a month or, but not, you know, and I think that is absolutely critical, particularly in startups. You've got to be able to think to what's going to happen two or three steps down the road, because you're always faced with decisions and every decision has multiple potential outcomes. So you've got to be able to evaluate the risk and, and help your team then um, think, develop that skill and think through their, uh, you know, the, the portion of the business that they're responsible, think those decisions through in the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, so, so what's interesting 
about your approach or at least how you're talking about your approach because you're talking about risk and mitigating risk and you're talking about doing that with data and information and being able to synthesize that information to turn it into projection right and so, so I find that really interesting because I, I I think that in a lot of cases there are people who are very very good at looking at data and figuring out what it what it means and how it translates. But then I, I think that there are people who are really good at like the vision piece. And sometimes you don't you don't find those two things together. Um, and so so I find it really interesting. Would you say that you are both a data brain with a visionary heart? Like is that kind of where you're living? Yeah, I think that's right. What I didn't mention earlier is that in addition to being a CPA who is very driven uh, based on data, I'm also a Six Sigma black belt. Yeah. Who was very based on. That makes sense. <laughs> I am not at all surprised by that. <laughs> Always learning. Yep. And then, you know, from a Six Sigma perspective, it's all about how do we make this better than it is today? Yep. Yeah. Well, so, so now I'm going to ask you to kind of dial out just a little bit, but, but how are you making Elias Animal Health better today? Like what's the, what, what's the push right now? Uh, so right now we're focused on uh, the second clinical trial, which is the one that we're pursuing uh, to get licensure for our product. Okay. Uh, we have nine hospitals that are open and enrolling and our goal is to complete that study uh, and replicate the data that we were able to generate in the study I talked about a few minutes ago, and then be able to bring this product on a grand scale to the veterinary marketplace. Okay. Um, we'll be, we will be expanding um, our manufacturing capability and our customer support teams in order to you know, best provide provide the best service for our customer base. And we view our customers as twofold, right? The veterinary oncologist is the one who's buying the product from us to treat the patient. But the pet owner is really the one buying the product and wanting to be sure that what they're doing is the right thing for their dog. So we're very focused on making sure that we get good, that we get good, reliable data. Yeah we can use to help people understand how this treatment might work in their particular setting. We, we will also then be expanding across multiple cancer types. So sure. that's one of the beauties of this product is not only can we work in osteosarcoma, but we believe uh, that, that we have the capability based on some of the human data to also work in other cancer types, which makes this particularly attractive sure. um, to the marketplace. Well, and so what I what I I find really interesting because when I think about human pharmaceutical sales, it's kind of a two pronged attack where you have the pharmaceutical rep who deals with the doctors, but then you also have those ads on TV where like I listen to these ads and like the side effects are all listed out. And I'm like I I don't know like so, but you have a really interesting it's an opportunity, but I imagine it'll be a challenge where you're going to have to educate both the vets and the the public, you know, and, and you, you have a little bit of a, an advantage, I would say, because you're talking about something that is very emotionally impactful for the average consumer, like the health of their best friend. Right. And so if your best friend is sick, you're going to, most people are going to try to do everything they can 
to make them comfortable, help them get better um, so they can live a long life. So, so you have a really interesting opportunity and you're kind of sitting at the precipice as you go to market. So what does that marketing strategy look like? Because I imagine there's a lot of stuff in there that you're going to have to address. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're um, right now we're going to remain focused on the veterinary oncologists Mm-hmm. And and the referring veterinarians, so the general practitioners, we, we need to make sure that people who are uh, making the treatment recommendations to the pet owners understand as much as we can possibly tell them about our product, how they could expect it to work, uh, and in what settings it might work best, um, and, and really let them, they're the ones that have the uh, closest relationship with the pet owner and the dog. So we want to really make sure that the veterinary community understands how this product works and where it can be best applied. Yeah. And then on the pet owner side, you know, we we won't be uh, communicating uh, directly to the pet owners until after we achieve licensure for regulatory reasons. But, you know, we, we will have to educate the pet owners as to what is an immunotherapy and mm-hmm. how can that be. Um, and, and what we find today is that, uh, you know, most pet owners, once they have a diagnosis, they immediately go to the Internet and they start looking for options and they remember the words that the veterinarian told them. So now they're looking for immunotherapies, chemotherapies, and they're finding a lot of information. And and many of the pet owners will read the scientific publications. Yeah. And then come back with very informed questions. um, So it's kind of a step beyond humans going onto WebMD and like putting in their symptoms, right? This is real education. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, and, and they're capable of understanding yeah. Um, so we're we're very um, willing to answer their questions, um, as uh, with whatever information we have available, because we do understand it's a it's a very difficult decision. You know, it is a little bit different than human health. In human health, the patient decides how they want to be treated, what treatment options right. they're going to pursue. If you're the pet owner, you are making a decision for the pet who can't really weigh in on the conversation. Right. So that that's a unique burden that pet, uh, pet owners and veterinarians feel uh, that is not quite as um, prevalent in, in human health. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just, I can't imagine the impact that we're going to see for, for pet owners who are experiencing, I mean, really like the fear and trauma of having your your fur baby be sick, like that's sick. I mean, that's really like cancer, you know, that's really sick. Right. <laughs> um, and I mean, just, just as with humans, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion that comes along with that. Like, I know I get, I get nervous when, you know, Kia, my dog, she like, you know, we'll be at the dog park and she'll trip and I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Or when the vet like goes to give her a shot and I can't explain like this, I'm sorry, we're hurting you. This is helping you. I promise. Um, you know, it's just one of those kind of heartbreaking things. So, so I just so grateful as a pet owner, um, that, that this will be available. And, and I really appreciate that. So, so let me, let me ask you this. You have had, you've had quite a journey. 
Um, and, and I'm just so impressed by how at every turn you have found ways to innovate, to, you know, support your team, build a fantastic team. Like you've built this really amazing company. What is your advice to other entrepreneurs out there? Not just in the, the animal sciences or the animal health corridor, but what is your advice to other entrepreneurs who are looking to make an impact? Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice uh, that that I could give is stay focused on the customer. Yeah. At the end of the day, if the customer wants your product, if they like your product, um, and and you stay focused on the customer, then it will keep you from going astray down, mm-hmm. you know, rabbit holes. There are a million rabbit holes you can fall into. Uh, as you go along the path, but stay focused on the customer and stay focused on your strategy. You've got to, someone early on said, um, you know, in entrepreneurship, you, you first have to make a good product. Then you can worry about making a great product. So, and you think about, you know, some of the great uh, entrepreneurial stories where, you know, the product came out and it was really good. And then in two years, they came out with a better version. Yeah. And one of the things as an entrepreneur you have to do is hold the better version for after you get the first good product out. And you can't put out a shoddy product, right. but get a good one and get it out there so that you can begin to learn, do the customers really want what you have? What yeah. else do they want? And then you work on that great product. Yeah, I love that. Well, so I am, I'm about ready to ask you the, the human question. And the first, actually, it's going to be a two-parter. Do you have, do you have a pet? Do you have a dog? Oh, yes. Yes. We're uh, right now we're Labrador owners. Okay. So, so you have multiple Labradors. What are their names? So we have Cash, Shiner, and Murphy. Oh my gosh. Okay. You have, that must be really hectic around mealtime at your house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the little one, the little one can eat his food faster and then he's into everybody else's food. Yeah. Well, I was making an assumption that you would have a dog, but I, you know, I just wanted to double check. So, okay, here is my, my, I told you this is going to be like a multiple parter because first we had to, you know, establish some stuff, but here's my question. So if you were going to take your dogs out for a lovely, lovely day, uh, it, what would they like to do with their mom? Uh, they would like to go to the water. Okay. A lake, a pond, anything yeah. I can <laughs> jump off a dock and land in and swim. Okay. Oh, that's it. And do you love that too? Oh, we love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, I, I cannot tell you how, how fun this has been for me. I always love talking. I love talking to all women. I think women are awesome, but I love talking to STEMinists, um, you know, women in STEM, because I just, you know, so very impressed. Um, so, so thank you so much for being here with us today, Tammy. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have had the opportunity to talk to you and learn more about Elias. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and one thing I didn't mention is kind of the icing on the top Yeah. Uh, for, for the work that we've done at Elias is, is very recently uh, our human health affiliate where we've got the technology. We were able to assist them 
in their FDA application and uh, they were awarded fast track designation. So we're extremely pleased that the work we have done in dogs, which will benefit dogs in the long run, as well as the short run, is also now going to be able to benefit humans. That is amazing. Congratulations. Like, how does that feel? Does that feel uh, incredible? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was like, um, you know, one of the major objectives of launching this company was to be able to help move the human condition forward as well. Yeah. So check. Excellent. Well done. Well, so, so thank you, Tammy, for being with us here today. And thank you to Pipeline Entrepreneurs for sponsoring this episode of Startup Hustle. If you're interested in learning more about joining their 2021 fellowship class, head to pipelineentrepreneurs.com. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to figure out how to throw that up on the bottom here. Tammy, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank You're you, awesome. Lauren. It's a pleasure. Right. And thank you listeners for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. We are so glad to have you and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.